Hi, friends, and welcome to 24 Karat Conversations. I'm your host, Rhonda Velez. Let's be real. Testing and trials are never fun. But what I have found is that we aren't alone in those seasons. My favorite Bible verse is Job 23.10. For when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. We're going to share some amazing stories of people who have endured and emerged as pure gold in the midst of hard circumstances. We're going to laugh, probably cry, and get super transparent about life and the struggles we endure. So sit back, relax. It's about to get real. Hello, 24 Carat Tribe. Welcome back. Okay, I have to admit that this guest is very, very special to me um, because when I first came here to Tennessee, I was looking for places to kind of volunteer and get plugged in, and I got plugged in to Faithfully Restored, and it is an organization that just helps women who are going through, um, you know, any tough season of their life. And so I connected with Jamie Hurd, and Jamie, thank you so much for being here today. She is just such a special person, and I am so excited. So I'm just going to tell you right now, just get your Kleenex box out, because I'm pretty sure that this episode will have tears. So we're going to get real, and we're going to have st- we're going to shed some tears. So here we go. Are you ready? Okay. Um, welcome, Jamie. That's a great way to introduce yes, you, right? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. So your story, um, I'm trying to even think, like, I was invited I think I went to like a women's networking event and then I was invited to your breakfast and it just so happened to be the day that you shared about your son, William. And so I want you to share that story. I mean, I was like, oh no, I remember walking (laughs) in and, and, uh, who's the other gal? Um, Amy, Amy Mm -hmm. was going through the slides and there was a slide of your son on the screen. And I was like, Oh, he's in the hospital. Oh, that's not... I was like, oh, no. I'm like, oh, no. All of our events are not that heavy. Yeah, they're not. They're not. (laughs) You came to a heavy one. I did. I was like... And the girl didn't even know me when she invited me. So it's kind of funny that she would have put me in that place. But I do believe that that was divine um, because your story to me connected so much. Um, So I want you to share about William and about your story. And I just want you to share your heart today. Of course. Thank you. Um, Back in 2015, my husband and I had been married a couple years. We had a four-year-old girl, Madeline, a -a two-and-a-half-year-old son, William, and really were done having kids, kind of had a boy and a girl, and life was good, and chugging right along. I was in my dream teaching job. My husband had a great job, and um, it was in December, and I woke up early that morning and spent a little extra time in praying for God's will to be done. I really was actually behind on a Bible study. I needed to get out of bed, and I was like, I'm kind of, we had our work Christmas party the night Mm -hmm. before, and I'm like, I'm just going to lay here a little longer and not get out of bed. And I remember just praying for God's will to be done, and whatever that looked like, having the strength to get through it. And I went to work, and two coworkers came to my door, and they said, William has choked at lunch, and he's not breathing, and you need to go to the hospital. And as soon as they said that, those words that I had prayed that morning just came right back to me. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is what you have for me. And I felt a peace in a way that, I I mean, it honestly sounds weird even saying it, but I felt such a peace in knowing, okay, God, I do want whatever you have for me. You are going to give me the strength to get through it. And so um, I went to the hospital and I actually beat the ambulance there. 
And as soon as I saw William, they loaded him down from the ambulance and I looked into his eyes and um, they were just really empty. Mm -hmm. I could tell right away that I knew I was like, he is in the arms of Jesus already. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a chaotic scene at Williamson Medical Center. Doctors were trying to get his heart to start beating again. And I honestly knew it wasn't going to start beating. I was Mm. like, I knew he was gone. People from church started showing up. And um, I thought all these people are going to watch this little boy die. And so the Holy Spirit was just alive and well and was like, you're going to pray over these doctors and nurses because they're going to watch this little boy die. I mean, this is what's going on Mm. in my head. And I'm like, I don't want them to lose hope in our God. And so I was spent that time praying or just kind of like rehearsing a prayer. And all of a sudden the doctor came over. He said, we have one more round of medicine to get his heart to start beating. And I was ready to like pray and his heart started beating again. And I was so confused. I thought, okay, I don't know. I was just confused. I had such a peace that he was gone. And so we loaded him up, went to Vanderbilt and um, arrived at Vanderbilt and they had him stable in the back. Now, there was never any sign of brain activity. Mm -hmm. And so even though they did get his heart to start beating again, I didn't feel this, which is a gift. I I can look back at this time as hard and dark as it was and see these gifts of Mm -hmm. it wasn't, there wasn't brain activity. It wasn't an up and down roller coaster for me. It was really, I had this piece of knowing that he was in the arms of Jesus the whole time. And so when we got to Vanderbilt and they got him stable, I remember going back there, our pastor was there and back there praying. And I remember praying for just the Lord to take him. I didn't want him in any pain. I didn't want, he looked like he was sleeping. Um, Like Mm -hmm. everything was perfect about his body. And I just didn't, I was so confused as to what happens Next, I knew he was gone, but there he was, stable and everything. And so it was just a confusing time. Mm -hmm. I remember the waiting room filling up with people and feeling inside just this confusion of like, what happens now? Like, what are these next steps? And um, the next morning we woke up and went to this meeting and I thought it was planning a memorial and we walk in. And a representative from Tennessee Donor Services was there, and they said, we would like to present you with the option of organ donation. And, you know, that's something that when you're 16 and you get your driver's license, you're like, oh, that sounds good. You make it a free sticker or something. Who knows? Get a little heart on your Exactly, yeah. Driver's license. And I'm like, yeah, why not? Like, sure. And both my husband and I were organ donors, but honestly not that intentional. It was just, you know, when we were in high school. And so when he said that to us, we had had so many people praying for us, people from all over the country praying. And in that moment, it was like, it all made sense. And I was like, okay, Lord, this is why his heart started beating again. He's gone. But now our prayers could shift into, man, he could go and help so many more people. And as we pictured ourselves sitting in that room, we knew that if we could help other parents or other siblings or other family members that were in a similar situation, if we could give the gift of life to them, we would have done anything for more time with William. And so if we could do that, we said yes to all the boxes, checked everything, 
And that small shift, another gift in that moment was a little glimmer of hope in the Mm. darkest time. And so with that, they said he was going to, they kept him alive a few days longer, which to us, it was great. I mean, it sounds weird to say those days in the hospital um, were good, but they they really were. Tons of family and friends got to come say goodbye. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Lord was with us in that room. I mean, I think you can talk to any friends and family that came in you just felt the presence of the Lord in that room. Um, the nurses at Vanderbilt were incredible. Child life was incredible. We brought Madeline up. She got to see her brother. And um, it was um, a sweet time that another gift that we had those few extra days yeah. with him. Yeah, and I think that's so important, too. I mean, even with Madeline being four, I mean, I think we've talked about this, but my daughter was four when mm-hmm. her, daughter, her sister died as well. And, you know, so many people were like, oh, my gosh, why would you allow her to mm-hmm. be in the same room as her sister or what? And I was just like, I just I didn't want it to be a secret. I didn't want to make mm-hmm. it like something that was awkward. I wanted her to really feel like we're going to go through this. Right. Together, a part of right? it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. When we sought advice, we called a counselor. We talked to people at church. We really asked several people. Child life at Vanderbilt was incredible of kind of walking through us what it would look like bringing her up there and um and so we had a lot of people weigh in on that and we came to the same conclusion yeah. you did I, I didn't want you know part of me which some people said you know you don't want her last memories to be of seeing her brother like mm-hmm. that but I wanted her to have those last yeah. memories I wanted her to have that sense of closure and that she walked through that with us yeah. Um, so it was a sweet time bringing her. Yeah. And I think it's really important because I mean, I, you know, I, I talked to a lot of women who have lost children and then women who didn't know that their parents had a child that passed away, which Mm -hmm. is so strange to me that, you know, like Mm -hmm. they wouldn't go through that process, but you know, you think about different generations and a lot of times it's older women who go, yeah, my, my mom had a child who passed and we never knew of the right. child until she almost, until my mother mm-hmm. died, you know, mm-hmm. and you're just like, oh my goodness. But mm-hmm. I do think that it's, it's so beautiful. Were the doctors like surprised at how well you were taking it? Cause I think they that's were. always a real <laughs> yes. shocker. Like when mm-hmm. you have such a strong faith and mm-hmm. I mean, my doctors kept saying, now, you know that she's passed away, right? And right. And I was like, no, I, I do. I mm-hmm. know. But same as you, I kind of mm-hmm. had a very positive, even though it was very sad, mm-hmm. I had a very positive outlook on like, okay, we're going to be okay. Like mm-hmm. there was this weird like sense of peace in mm-hmm. the middle of the chaos. Yes. Yeah. We experienced the same thing. I mean, people notably said to us, like, there's just something different. Like this is, this is abnormal, Mm -hmm. honestly, you know, to watch a family go through it in this way. And I just feel like such a gift of the Holy Spirit to be with us in that room and give us this perspective of like, this is our chance to show people Jesus and to show people what it looks like to look to heaven. I mean, I have one foot out the door. I'm just ready for heaven in a way that I probably would not have been able to get to that point without having lost William. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, we, we still keep up with one of the nurses that was in there and, um, she kept coming back. She, we said goodbye Friday night after he, he choked on a Friday, said goodbye. And she showed up Saturday and she was like, I just couldn't leave him. Showed up again on Sunday. 
And she has two boys of her own now. And um, it was, I feel like the Lord used that time in the hospital as such a ministry. And the people that came in saw us grieving with hope. And it was powerful. So beautiful. And it's funny because I do believe that God orchestrates Mm -hmm. like who was supposed to be there that day. You know, because Sam, I still keep in touch with Mm -hmm. the doctor Mm -hmm. who delivered my daughter. Um, In fact, Kalia's middle name is named after after her um, because she was just such an integral part. She even went to her dedication service. Mm. I mean, that's just like kind of like, how does that happen? Like that can only happen through Jesus, right? Right, Right. (laughs) yeah, absolutely, yeah. And so much of this, you know, I've always been okay sharing my faith. I was a teacher, so you kind of at a private school, so you kind of had to dance around that a little bit. But after losing William, it's like, I just unapologetically just have a reason to share my faith. Mm-hmm. And it's because of things like that within our story that these aren't coincidences. Yeah. Like it is only Jesus. Right. And so when we were in the hospital, we overheard a nurse say that his heart was going to Chicago, his kidneys were going as a block to North Carolina and his liver was going to Texas. And we just kind of overheard that. And, you know, normally you don't know what's all happening and everything. But on Monday, another kind of answered prayer with organ donation that, you know, I didn't really know is that was, that was the next step. That was, I didn't have to make a decision on pulling the plug on my Mm -hmm. two-year-old on Monday after they had matched his organs with as many donor or recipients as possible. Halfway through the surgery, they turn off the ventilator. Mm. So it's just a peaceful end um, to a really dark, sad situation. Mm-hmm. And um, so whenever we said goodbye that morning and the sweet little nurse said, I'm going to take care of him, I'm going to wheel him down mm-hmm. there. And um, Daniel and I went home to a really mm-hmm. empty feeling, cold, quiet house. Um, I instantly was grateful for Madeline as hard as it was parenting a mm-hmm. four-year-old as you're walking through deep grief. Our house was quiet, but it wasn't silent. Yeah. Right. And I was instantly glad to have her. Another thing we had to do was show her that what she had learned at church and what we had been saying about Mm -hmm. Jesus and God and heaven, it was true. And if we believed it, then, you know, we could have hope and we could have joy even in the loss of her brother. Um, And it was the next day after we got home that some friends came over, we were working on memory boards and someone asked me if I had heard about Ava and I was like, no. And my best friend from home was like, I'm going to tell her. And my friends were like, we weren't going to tell her. And she's like, I'm telling her. And they had through a friend of mine on Facebook sharing William's story and a friend of Amy's on Facebook sharing Ava's story, they had connected. And so a couple of my friends figured it out and William's heart went to an 18-month-old little girl in Chicago named Ava, and we had known that his heart was going to Chicago, so um, we looked up online, and they had, the Chicago News had been following Ava, and so we, that night, so the day after the transplant, watched her parents, Amy and Brian Martin, get interviewed, and I remember they were standing outside of an elevator, and the news was there, it was right after the transplant, and I just remember the person asking them a few questions and they said, we are just so grateful that someone in their darkest time Mm. chose to give life to our little girl Mm. and we will honor 
their life for the rest of Ava's. And I instantly was like, I love them. I love, I love them. I don't know them at all, like but I love them. you could have chosen a yes, better family, you could, I, could. God, I mean, God, like, handpicked oh, them. Which could is not have chose a better yeah. family. I mean, it. as soon as I watched that interview, in that interview, we watched a cooler being wheeled into the transplant room and literally saw William's heart being picked up out of a cooler, placed with the surgeon in Ava, and the doctor said, welcome to your new home. I mean... Oh. 24 hours post-surgery, we saw his heart wow. being placed in Ava. And so um, I actually just looked up the messages yesterday, but I I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write her on Facebook. They had a whole Facebook group for Hope for Amazing Ava. And my husband was like, no, you're, you're not. No, like, <laughs> you can't do that. Slow thing. down. Because <laughs> like, he's and, automatically like, oh, no, we are doing this. Yeah, like, oh, no, I am. And so I remember looking over at him. He was standing in the kitchen, and he just, like, shook his head, like, no. Like, basically, like, you're crazy. Like, calm down. Yeah. And I, like, turned my head back and just, like, typed out a message. <laughs> like, and I was like, anyway. I'm doing this anyway. <laughs> and didn't say anything and wrote her. And I said, I don't know if this is. You know, I don't know if right. this is it, but regardless, I'm happy for you and for Ava and kind of here's what happened with our son. And within 30 minutes, she writes back and she said Ava's transplant was the only pediatric heart transplant um, that happened mm. in Chicago yesterday. So we instantly, Amy and I instantly knew. I mean, we start going back and forth. By this time, my friends have left. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know when I involved Daniel again, if I had told <laughs> him. Like, I'm not Amy, telling yeah. you Amy woke up Brian and was like, oh my gosh. And he just was kind of still half asleep. He's like, okay, yeah, all right. So and like crazy, went back to sleep. Yeah, and so it was like, exactly. Um, and that really is our relationship still today. Our well, it, what's interesting crazy. too is I don't know if people know this, but like when you're doing transplant, you don't know who the donor is. Like no. that's HIPAA, you mm-hmm. can't know. And for good so, reason, right, honestly. Right, because, you know, I mean, there's crazy, real crazy people right. out there. I mean, you like, have you know. no idea yeah. where they go. I mean, yeah. so I totally get that. I would not want anything changed, you yeah. know, because I think things are put in place for yeah. good reason. And even so, so the next day, someone at Vanderbilt called and just said, I just want you to think through this, you know, because word kind of got out yeah. that we had connected and the doctor who's a friend of mine said you know I just want you to think through you know the William's heart could not take and then right you lose Ava and that's just another right, loss right yeah um which honestly I had not thought of yeah but yeah, that would honestly be the last thing I would think right of. I would think more of like somebody just being stalkerish right it's kind of weird yeah. like who yeah. are these people yeah um but I didn't so when, even when she said that I was like okay and then I thought, you know what? Like I said earlier, if I could have three days with William, three mm-hmm. minutes, I would take it. So if we could give Amy and Brian any more time right. with Ava, she was in congestive mm-hmm. heart failure. She'd waited 111 days for a heart. I mean, she was cold to the touch. And, and child hearts are really hard to come by. Yes. Because like, that, you know, my daughter died of a heart condition. Mm-hmm. And so. I mean, baby hearts are even right. more difficult, mm-hmm. but they're mm-hmm. really hard to find. Mm-hmm. So it's that. I mean, it was just it was, it was an accident. It was, it was not at all. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know what? We feel like we have already suffered the greatest mm-hmm. loss if we could give them any more time. Yeah. It was 
worth it to us. And turns out they're not crazy. <laughs> and neither you. And she's, <laughs> neither are we. She's thriving. Um, we met, so that happened in December. We met them in March. We flew up to Chicago, met them. They had a fundraiser for Ava. So we actually met their family and 300 of their closest friends and family. And the way the Lord has used our story, our relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're some of our best friends. I mean, we really consider them family. Right. Um, spend some holidays together, go on couples trips, like just, I mean, even through COVID, made it a point, like we see them every few months, wow. no matter what. That's and amazing. our girls, so now after William passed away, we went on and had another little girl, Annie. And so we have Madeline and Annie and Ava has an older sister, Ella. And so the four of them are just... Four peas in a pod that, I mean, the girls sometimes say they're stepsisters. (laughs) And so we'll be at church and they drop them off. And the teacher's like, they say they're steps. We're like, yeah, I mean, they're not, they're not stepsisters, but more like cousins. Right. We we have tried some heart and Ava will sometimes say her heart mom and her heart Mm -hmm. family and stuff. Um, But it's just all of that is a story that. God writes the best stories. If I tried to design it any other way, it just, his way is better. And so resting in that truth is what I still try to continue to do. And I'm honestly thankful for the loss of William because there are so many more people that are Mm going to be in heaven because of his story. I know. Isn't it crazy? I always say in death, like my daughter Mm -hmm. has been more impactful than she would have ever been in life. And, and it's so hard to say that because at the same time, like you miss your child, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the holidays are really hard. I know they're really hard for you because this was right around the time that William passed. The holidays are just hard in general. Mm -hmm. Um, and they hit you different every year. You Mm -hmm. know, we were kind of talking about that earlier, but it's funny because I, as much as I, you know, miss my daughter, Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for the brief life that she had here on earth as well. And that I got to carry an angel for a period of time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's the thing that, um, you know, I talked to so many women who are going through deep grief and that does not, uh, yesterday I just wrote a post kind of about, you know, that I had suffered a really, really hard depression after Mm -hmm. Tiana had died and actually contemplated taking Mm -hmm. my life. And that was a really hard thing to write when I wrote the devotional, because I just felt like, do I say this? Do I be this transparent with that? Mm-hmm. I trust Jesus, but I also was very weak in, right. in how I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like I had to. Like, mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, I wanted women to know that they weren't alone, that Jesus is good, but you it's still really hard. Right, like, you right. Know, I mean, and, and like, so after William passed, I mean, did you have times where you were just like, I, I can't do this? I'm so tired. And mm-hmm. Just, I mean, do you, can you recall any of those times? Oh gosh, yes, absolutely. And I, um, was it maybe, I think seven years earlier, my dad committed suicide and Mm -hmm. took his own life. Um, I was 25. And so I had walked, I can look back now and see how the Lord had prepared me my whole life for using or losing William. Mm -hmm. And it was, the way he grew my faith from when my dad did that to when I lost William, Mm -hmm. that made all the difference of how my reaction was so different. And I was really mad at God after my dad died. And I just thought, why did he do this to me? It was three months before my wedding. It was terrible. And, but then the difference 
because losing my son was a greater loss. But what was different is how deep my faith was. I yeah. truly got to a place. Now, I had I'd heard at Andy Stanley, um, I was attending his church in Atlanta, and it was a sermon on prayer, and it could, had completely changed my prayer life. So in that, before my dad mm-hmm. died, I was praying for God's will to be done. And so then my dad died, and I was like, you know what? This is... Yeah. This, this is not working. No, no, your will, working. like, I, I'm good. No. Yeah. And that's, this that's, is your will, I'm out. <laughs> basically, I really was. Like, I was like, I mean, I still went to church and everything. Yeah. Married my husband and um, thank goodness for him. He's just been a constant, steady encouragement. But um, it really, so then I got to a place, like I said, when I woke up that morning that William died and I was praying for God's will to be done, I truly meant it. I was at a place, years of preparation, Mm -hmm. of my hands wide open, whatever it is you have for me, and I meant it. And so my faith was so much deeper. And so it was really, um, I always say that about my dad because I think it can look, my reaction to William's like, gosh, that's she had this peace and everything was fine. But I had... I had been through loss, and the Lord had grown me in a way. Yeah. And that I think when you pruning. go through that, you mm-hmm. know, when you go through really deep loss, like again, like you know, we had some really horrible stuff happen in 2020, and I had my faith grew so deep mm-hmm. when I was going through everything with Tiana, and I had come to the place of like, okay, I need some help, you know, because I'm, right. I'm not doing this well. Mm-hmm. And when I really sought it out, because I think. And I, I hate to say this, and I, I do I say it quite frequently, but the church does not do it well with holding people's hearts. Mm-hmm. And so they want to fix it and they want to pray it away or throw scripture at it. But sometimes you, your heart just needs to be tended to mm-hmm. and really held mm-hmm. so that you can heal, you right. know. And and so when I was able to finally get that help that I needed and finally reach out and actually vocalize, like I am at the low of the mm-hmm. low of the low and mm-hmm. I need help. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when like true healing began and restoration really began. And right. so now, you know, when, when things are hard and life is not easy and when you go through hard things, it's just your prayer life is different. For your sure. Conversations with God is different. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, your dad's death definitely did mm-hmm. prepare you for mm-hmm. what was to come, you know? And so that was on my mind, knowing, just having, having my past with suicide, mm-hmm. that um, whenever I really struggled after William died, I remember, like I said earlier, I was so grateful for Madeline but it was so hard to parent. Mm-hmm. And I had taken, I was a teacher, so I didn't go back to work and took some time off. And that was hard to not be working, but I knew I couldn't go back to teaching. I couldn't stand in front of eight-year-olds all yeah. day. And so um, it was a couple of weeks later that I went to Daniel, Madeline, I was in bed and Madeline came up to me and she said, mom, she was like, at least I didn't die. I'm still here. And I was like, oh gosh. Like, yeah. I, I need to get it I need together. To get there. Yes. Like, right. all right. It was kind all of right. a wake-up call yeah. as to, wow. Like, I... Yeah, they're watching. I, yes. Yeah. And so I went to Daniel, and I was like, I've got to get out of here. I have to get away for a few days. Like, I'm at my lowest point. Mm-hmm. I'm overwhelmed by getting out of bed. I'm overwhelmed by parenting. I'm overwhelmed by it all. And so I flew out to um, Arizona to just this kind of I don't know, spa retreat type mm-hmm. place where no one knew me, 
where I mm-hmm. just could sit, I could be, and that really helped me kind of restart in a way of like, just take some deep breaths. I couldn't even, when I was at home and I couldn't even go to the grocery store and right. seeing people, everything felt yeah. overwhelming. And so just removing myself, spending time with the Lord and just a way of not caring for anyone else but my needs. If I wanted to sit, I sat. If I wanted to go for a bike ride, mm-hmm. I went. Walk. I ate healthy. They didn't have alcohol at this place, yeah. which was helpful. All of it, that I feel like um, giving myself permission, because I think a lot of people walking through something cannot give their self per- yes. give themselves permission yeah. to do what they need to do. Yeah, and I, I, think, mean, I think too, after the dust settles, you know, you mm-hmm. go through losing somebody and everybody is there and people mm-hmm. are bringing you meals. It's almost, it's almost a little overwhelming to be right. quite honest. Like I'm so, when people have, um, someone who has passed away, like I will send a card, but then it literally like in six months, I'll put it on my mm-hmm. calendar to send them something mm-hmm. because I feel like sometimes it's just too much. I mean, I remember not wanting another bouquet of flowers. I'm right. Like, if I get another bouquet of flowers, I'm going to scream. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I do think the going away, we actually went to Hawaii mm-hmm. shortly after Tiana passed and it was, it was a really good mm-hmm. trip just to reset. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh my gosh, I remember just like bawling at the right. spa one day. Uh-huh. I was like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't get it together, but it felt so good because nobody knew me. Right. I didn't have to like talk to anybody. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think people really don't take care of themselves after mm-hmm. they've been through a loss. And then it does spiral you into like just feeling like Mm -hmm. out of control so Mm -hmm. I remember I was in the spa sitting in a hot tub and this girl was in there with me and we start talking and just I loved the fact that no one knew me there it just wasn't you know no one's looking at you with such like sympathy of like or like oh my gosh she's out at the grocery store what do I say do I say something do I not and we were sitting there and talking and she was like wait she's like I think I I think I recognize you. And I was like, what? She recognized me from the Chicago news of when they played the story of William and Ava at Christmas. They did a whole segment of William and Ava. And so I was like, yep, uh uh-huh. But it was a sweet reminder of no matter where you go, God's got you. Like this girl that I had, I would never have met her, you know, had not gone out there. And to know that she had been praying for our family, this stranger from Chicago that then I meet in Arizona, it was such a little reminder (laughs) of, I was like, like, okay, okay, no matter where I, I know this was, but I kind of needed it. All right, God. Right. Like I needed that, like, I've got you. Mm -hmm. No matter where you are, I've got you. I'm surrounding you with people that are being the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah. So it was really cool. That is cool. so beautiful. Well, I want you to tell us a little bit about Faithfully Restored Women mm-hmm. and how that organization started. You're one of the four founders. Yes. Um, like I said at the beginning of the show, I am such a fan. Mm-hmm. I think it's so great. And I wish that would have been there. I wish something like that would have been there for me right. when I was going through it. Cause I think it would have really kind of helped me mm-hmm. <laughs> get through the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Some of those things we mentioned, like we will send a grieving mom away on a trip or someone that a woman that's just been diagnosed with cancer to get away with her husband, mm-hmm. to take a deep breath and yeah. take a second. Um, we come in months after 
because we know what it feels like to go to the mailbox and yeah. there's no more cards. Yeah. We know that overwhelming feeling at the beginning where things kind of get lost. And I'm thankful that people show up in the beginning, right. but we know what how meaningful it is to yeah. show up later. So there's four founders. Two of us have lost children. Um, William died in December, and six months later, Jenny Rebecca Springer lost her eight-year-old son, Hayes. Mm. We didn't know each other at the time, but then um, got connected, and I wrote her a note and sent her a book that I loved. And the way the Lord's used that friendship in both having lost a son and knowing that pain, um, yeah. you know what it feels like yeah. to connect with people. It's, yeah, you feel like you don't feel like an alien. Right. That's kind of how it was. Because, yes. you know, you're just kind of like, Am I the only person that, I mean, I always say like 2002, I mean, that was like a long time ago mm-hmm. and we didn't have internet stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have right. Facebook pages I could mm-hmm. go to or, you know, connect with people. Like it was literally, you feel like by yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think too, people can tend to isolate. So if they don't have a way to connect, mm-hmm. um, and I think the Facebook pages sometimes like allow them to connect without feeling like so super vulnerable and open mm-hmm. too. So mm-hmm. I am really grateful to like social. I know there's so many things around social media that are bad, but mm-hmm. I think that social media has done a really great job of mm-hmm. supporting one another through really difficult times. I agree. I agree. Um, and so Faithful Restored, the other two founders are close friends of mine that um, our husbands are close. And we've kind of walked through in our tight friend group before William passed away, earlier that same year, Heather got diagnosed with breast cancer. She was 30 years old, mm-hmm. um, had two young kids at the time. Um, before that, Jamie, the other fourth founder, dealt with infertility. And we walked mm-hmm. through, as we were all having those young babies, she found out that they biologically biologically mm-hmm. could not have children. And so we walked through the adoption process with her. And the three of us, when those things were happening in our early 30s, were so well cared for. We had a great group of friends around yeah. us. We had a great church around us and knew what it meant to have people check in months later. I mean, if yeah. I went a few days without checking in with friends, like they showed up at my house. Like I remember, I remember, like, hey, friend, yes, get up. Yes. I remember a friend specifically. So in December, William passed away. In May, um, Daniel's brother, he was 19, drowned. He was out mm. fishing. And we had, Daniel and I had gone through counseling all that spring. And then when David died, it sent me into just a downward spiral. And it's like triggers. Yes. Like it triggers you. Like you, and it comes out of nowhere. You're nowhere. Like, this is, I mean, mm-hmm. not that it didn't have anything to do with you, but it didn't like, it wasn't your child, right? right? Like right. even though he was It was kind of unexpected person, yes. how, and I knew what, then I knew what his parents were going to go through. Mm-hmm. His dad and stepmom mm-hmm. were going to go through. And so um, I remember a friend. So And, and I started really having, uh, struggling with fear. I just thought the next shoe is going to drop yeah. at some point. If I don't see Madeline, surely she tripped and right. she's dead somewhere. Like yeah. that, that is where my mind was constantly. And I was mm-hmm. living in that. And I remember a friend coming over and she was like, I think you might need to check yourself in somewhere. Yeah. And I was like... Oh, wow. I was like, I, I'm not doing well. Yeah. And I didn't check myself in somewhere, but I did go on a trip. I like yeah. Daniel and Madeline and I went, some friends were having yeah. to go to the beach and I was like, I'm going to like, we're, uh, we're, we're going, going. Yeah. we're going with them. I need yeah. to, again, a, kind of just a intentional, you're never escaping. Right. You know, cause I think some people can feel like I don't want to escape or run yeah. away. Mm-hmm. Like 
you can't do that. Honestly, that yeah, I have not. I have found that that's just impossible. Well, no, and, I mean you'll forever. You know, like, yes, I mean it's been what it's gonna be twenty one years for me. Like, right, you don't. It's there. It's there. It's always gonna be there, and there will be triggers. It's mm-hmm. how you learn how to cope with them and manage them. Um, mm-hmm. moving forward that right. really, really, you know, helps you get through the darker mm-hmm. periods. But mm-hmm. yeah, and I think fear, when you said fear and the other shoe was going to drop, I can't begin to tell you how many, and it doesn't, it's not just with the death of a child, but when you've gone through a divorce mm-hmm. or you've gone through something really traumatic, you have this like weird, fearful sense that you try to get rid of. Right. But it's like, and you try and give it to God and then you're uh-huh. like, nope, I'm taking it back. Because yes. It's so hard to mm-hmm. not think that something's going to happen. I mean, I still have to catch myself sometimes, you know, with my younger daughter. And I'm like, okay, if she doesn't call me after work and she's driving home, I'm like, okay, where is she? You know, mm-hmm. I call her, make sure she's okay. There's still this, this piece of you that will always mm-hmm. have that, like tied to wondering like okay god mm-hmm. well and i think the enemy uses oh, that totally. the enemy loves would have loved for me to stay in that place yeah. of fear yeah. and i know some people around this our situation that it did affect in a really negative way yeah. of william choking and them having young kids and becoming very fearful yeah you know and it makes sense it, it's um you know and i feel specifically with that i that's happened a couple times that fear has kind of overwhelmed me and I go back to yep. counseling and I have to yes. let it. And I feel like another practical thing to do is to reach out to friends and say, please specifically pray right. yes. against this fear. And I think even releasing that and getting that out, I have found and is even, helpful. Even acknowledging it. Right. Like, you know, I, I've learned so much with, you know, speaking it and saying what is mm-hmm. truth and what is lie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the truth is the Lord does have his covering over my family. He right. does have covering over my children. And it's going to be okay. But mm-hmm. it's so hard. You know, it is really hard to not think about that. Uh, my daughter had um, this man at work who he lost just recently, just lost his mm-hmm. daughter in an auto accident. And when Kalia told me, I like, just makes me want to cry. Like, I just mm-hmm. like, ugh, my heart just mm-hmm. for the family and mm-hmm. knowing that like, you know, he came back to work pretty quickly and you just think, Oh God, no, mm-hmm. like you need some time. You need, you need to heal. And it's just, it's tragic. You mm-hmm. know, it really is. Nobody, you'd never want to see anybody walk through that mm-hmm. valley. Right, <laughs> like right, right. You know, it's so hard. So what mm-hmm. you're doing at Faithfully Restored, I think is just impacting so many women and um, families. Cause I, I think, you know, women are the backbone. Right. Mm-hmm. And when we're not functioning well, the house kind of mm-hmm. doesn't function mm-hmm. well either. Right. So. And we were, so the three of us friends were so cared for when that happened. So then, and then also, I know you know this, but you kind of get put in these groups. So, I mean, I probably hear <laughs> once a week about someone losing a child. Yeah. Heather with cancer, the same thing. Jamie and Chris have probably met with 25 couples yeah. that are interested in adopting. You just kind of have this. And so we felt this weight of... We hear about all these things happening to this women, these women. What can we do? Yeah. And so it was a couple years after um, that we we asked Jenny Rebecca to join us, and we decided to once a month get together and the women that we had heard about to write notes and send care packages. Mm-hmm. And that is how Faithfully Restored started. And month after month, we met and we were like, 
man, this could really turn into something. There was yeah. no shortage of women that we were serving. Um, it just was a little disorganized. We'd get in, um, <laughs> we set up an email, we'd get in a prayer request. We had stuff at Jenny Rebecca's house that then I had to go over there and make a care package by the time I actually went to the post office. You know, yeah. That was another yeah, it was like a, a week thing. or two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, in 2019, we had a launch event at fellowship where a few of us go to church and just shared our hearts for faithful restored just what we wanted to do we wanted to take in prayer requests from all over the country no matter what a woman was walking through we wanted her to know that she was loved not alone and there was hope in jesus Mm -hmm. and so we launched that had people sign up that night to become monthly donors and those early donors really carried us and believed in us and they were women a lot of them donating and getting involved out of their own pain. Wow. Yeah. And knowing what it's like to walk through something and being seen or not seen. We did it because we had the community and some of the people that, you know, were supporting us early on did it because they didn't and they knew how life changing it could be. And I think when you're going through any hard thing, like you want to find purpose through your pain. Mm -hmm. And so um, you know, helping others is just mm-hmm. such a great way mm-hmm. to do it. You know, even, I mean, I deliver mm-hmm. care packages and when I deliver them, I always say, what are we delivering these for? And they'll mm-hmm. tell me, and then I pray over them before I mm-hmm. leave them at their doorstep because I just feel like, man, you know, when you're going through such a hard time, all you need somebody you don't know praying for you. Right. You know? Yeah. Like you want to feel seen yeah, in that yeah. for sure. And so it's so beautiful what you're doing and tell me, I mean, one I have to say, being a transplant from California to Tennessee, I have never been in a community that I have seen so many people want to volunteer and help mm-hmm. other people. Like, mm-hmm. it is crazy here. It like, is. I'm like, I honestly, I can't even describe it and I can't even explain it. But everywhere we go, I see people just helping other people. Mm-hmm. And I that's the thing I love the most about this area and the community mm-hmm. that we're living in. We're the volunteer in. state. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. We are yeah. the vol- and it's uh-huh. it's for real. It like, is. it's not a lie. Uh-huh. It's right. the truth. It's yeah. the volunteer state, but that's mm-hmm. not a lie. Right. Um. So, yeah, I just love it here. So tell me a little bit how people can get involved, mm-hmm. where they can find you. Um, if they don't live in Tennessee, how mm-hmm. can they get involved and, and help out? Absolutely. So we take in prayer requests all over the country. So faithfullyrestoredwomen.com. You can go to Get Involved. You can submit a prayer request. And that, I would say 80% of the time, that is someone submitting for a friend. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, man, my neighbor just lost her spouse, or my cousin is walking through a terrible divorce, or you know, my coworker is really struggling with depression, you can go on our website and fill out a prayer request for that person. All you need is their name, address, a little bit of their story. A lot of times those friends don't even tell the person that they did it. And so what we'll do is Courtney on our staff receives the prayer request and kind of decides what is it that that person needs? What kind of need can we meet meet for them? Um, We have paid rent, so it could be a financial need. It could be an encouraging care package. A lot of times with loss, like I said, we wait a couple months. And then because of the our unique stories, you know, every the month before the anniversary of a loss, we'll send out care packages. So William's is anniversary is December. So in November, it would if I was a prayer request, um, we would print out a list and it would say Jamie loss of son William. And so every November, for years to come, we will 
be specifically praying for that person and send them a little reminder anticipating the anniversary. Because yeah. I know, you yeah, know, it's, it's hard. That day gets there and yeah. it's almost like, oh gosh, okay. Yeah. I've made it, but it's really the anticipation. Yeah, um, and you with, feel it in your body, like even oh, yes. like I mean, I know that like even a few months before, I'll feel off, and then I can't figure out why. Like I'm like, why do I feel so anxious? Like, mm-hmm. And then I'll be like, oh, her, it's her birthday. It's coming mm-hmm. up, you know. So yes. it, it does, mm-hmm. it, it does trigger mm-hmm. your body. Yeah. Your body does mm-hmm. keep the score, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Um, a unique thing we do with adoption is send baby gifts in the mm-hmm. waiting of adoption, just mm-hmm. to see women. I mean, they would be moms yesterday if they could when they're waiting. And so just to see them in that place. So we try to uniquely meet a need. um, And Courtney will work with you to figure out how to do that. Um, Also on there, if you want to be a prayer partner on our website, you can sign up. There's several different names and stories, just a first name and a story. And if you want to just specifically pray for someone or send them a care package, Mm -hmm. we allow women, like we said, kind of, a lot of them serve out of their own pain because I feel like if you're able to kind of get outside yourself and serve others, it just, there's yeah. healing in that. There's perspective mm-hmm. in that. So locally we have a ton of volunteer opportunities to do that. But if people aren't in Tennessee, they can get on there and sign up to be a prayer partner and pick out a woman, specifically pray for them by name, send them a note, send them a care yeah. package, um, serve in that way. And then locally here, we try to build community. We have breakfast mm-hmm. clubs once a month. And I love the we breakfast We have prayer club. meetings once a month. Yeah. Um, have lots of events, girls' nights, different. We'll have a workout class in um, January. January. Yeah, carbs. Because yes. <laughs> uh-huh. that was something when we first got started too. We figured out a lot of women just we we have a ton of people moving here daily, yeah. and a lot of women just need community yeah. and want to be around other women, and mm-hmm. so we want to give women easy ways to build community and serve together. Well, it's so beautiful. I love what you guys are doing. You know, I'm a huge fan. So thank you so much for being on today. I so appreciate it. And 24 Carat Tribe, make sure to go follow Faithfully Restored on their Instagram. Uh, Make sure to go follow 24 Carat Conversations podcast, like and subscribe and share. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. I know Faithfully Restored would so appreciate um, sharing this story with people who are needing to hear it. So until next time, sparkle on. Bye. Bye.